Hello and welcome to this episode of Fitness Unfiltered, during which I am joined by an Emma and two Dans, and also a heater, if you can hear that in the background. It's very cold. What's the heater's name? What is the heater's name, Dan? Officially, Dyson. But Dan's got a heater and a new washing machine. Uh, Dan's all about the... Mr. Moneybag. I'm sorry, uh, you know, humble brag and all that. Material possessions. Yeah, dollar, dollar, bill, y'all. Pennies over people. That's the one. As they say. Anyway, we are very delighted to be joined today by another very special guest who's here. We're going to be talking a lot about online coaching, um, which is something that I don't really know very much about. Um, And that is the wonderful and excellent... Dan Smith. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey, Emma. And the other Dan. Team Dan, all the yeah, way. Come team on. Dan. And, and, confusing. And, and sorry, Dan. How are you? Oh, sorry. I am. I'm really good, actually. I'm not going to sound oh, fine. Oh. <laughs> am I supposed to say I'm fine? Yes. Sorry, do it again. Do it again. Right. How, uh, Dan, how are you? I'm fine. And uh, other Dan, how are you? I'm also quite fine. Emma? I'm fine. I'm not sure how I would feel if we were on a podcast with someone called Mike and you called me other Mike. So I'm just going to apologize for calling you other Dan. That wasn't kind. Um, So we're really excited to have Dan here. Dan is an online coach and also does a lot of work with online coaches about online coaching, which is a bit of inception there for you. Um, I first met Dan. I don't know if you, if you're listening, have ever done like, getting to know people icebreaker exercises at educational events um but dan and i were at an educational event where everyone was told to stand up and find someone who they didn't know to speak to um and dan was my person who i didn't know and then we had to do really really weird stuff didn't we like we had to stand like back to back and talk about things but i can't really remember what happened yeah i was gonna what, ask back you to back so you yeah. didn't have to look at each other in the eye yeah so it was trying to see how much how much information you retain that that person is telling you when you're not looking at them when you're not actually having a face-to-face conversation and stuff i think yeah do you know what i do remember from it i remember what you told me though around what you were trying to do at that time and you were trying to you said i want to I want to get stronger or get bigger or stronger or something in terms of the training you were doing. Do you remember? That's all I remember. Now, look at yeah. it. <laughs> I know that went well, didn't it? Just five years down the line, I'm exactly the same. Uh, hey, maintenance should be celebrated. It is. It is. It is. I am. Um, That's I'm, the definition of a successful diet. I totally agree. Anyway, so we thought we would call this podcast what online coaching is and what online coaching isn't. So why don't we start off talking a little bit about what online coaching is and then we can, uh, we can progress from there. Sounds good. What is it then? <laughs> take, take the mic. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Um, <clears throat> do you want me to just give a little bit of background in terms of how I would view the online coaching world and how it's been probably misinterpreted over maybe the last couple of years, I think. Yeah, yeah I think that, that's helpful because it's, the landscape has changed a little bit the last year with this whole minor yeah. pandemic thing. So perhaps your perceptions have changed. 
I mean, for me, I was probably one of those people who, before I was involved in online coaching, did like personal training and bits like that. But I never used to see online coaching as the as the like the easy way or the the way that wasn't wasn't coaching as such or it wasn't personal training. But then only after getting involved in it and having some bad experiences, what I was told was online coaching, then it made me realise that there's like there is a difference here and some people are actively out there to what well, the best words really like rip people off um but at the time i didn't realize that so then it was my that sort of stoke a fire in me to then go right this isn't right people shouldn't be receiving a service like this for the money that they're paying um so that's kind of how i moved into the online side of stuff and then made it a bit of an emphasis to to have it delivered around like the client in terms of what they're their problems were what they were coming to me for help with um whereas when i was experiencing that from an online from a coachy point of view it was uh it just was lacking that lacking the whole empathy lacking any kind of coaching element to it it was like here's and as you guys know here's like a meal plan i actually got screenshots of my fitness power that was what was sent to me to follow uh and my training plan was on some notes on the notes app and it was just screenshotted and sent across and that was that was online coaching so that that kind of didn't feel right at the time but that was all i knew and then it just evolved from there to get involved in more of the other stuff that goes alongside coaching that isn't the training plan that isn't the nutrition the stuff that actually matters i'm not saying that doesn't matter for any instance but there's there's bigger elements to be able to help someone to get get success with it and then just to bring it up to speed in terms of like what happened last year throughout that year you had an influx of um and this is no no fault of anyone's because no one predicted that was going to happen you had an influx of people then going i need to go online because oh i can't train in gyms gyms are shut and then this this sudden realization this surge of like personal trainers coming on to, into online without really knowing anything around it thinking it was the easy way the easy thing i just need to kick back and like post a few selfies up on instagram and then i'll get loads of clients and it just it just doesn't work in that way and um i think a lot of people had a realization last year around the work that's involved in it and how much does go into it rather than it just being this seen as this easier option um yeah does that help explain it yeah i was gonna ask actually both you and him Right. Sorry, oh, sorry. I was totally just going to jump in there because Dan, like we've had a chat on a podcast before about, and this is a question I've literally just got this question on Instagram as well, saying, like, do you need to be an online? Do you need to have worked in a gym face to face to be a good online coach? And there is this like, and with that comes the the I think misconception that they're the same thing or that they're the same skill set, and I think there are people who are far better face-to-face coaches and far better online coaches. Just because you're really good face-to-face doesn't mean you'll be good online. Just because you're good online doesn't mean you'll be good face-to-face. And there are certainly people that are better suited to either. Like, for example, I am a far better online coach than I am a face-to-face coach. I do both. I enjoy both. Well, I do both before the pandemic, but like I'm significantly better online because of the way I coach and because of the way I deliver information. Whereas some people a way better face-to-face and that do you know what they're not very good online coaches even if they have got great knowledge and I think there needs to be like the realization that they're quite distinctly different things 
yeah but that's where i think that disconnect comes with people i i think partly maybe stems from the bodybuilding community in terms of i'm not putting the blame on that at all but it's just saying that um they're very regimented in terms of like this is a plan just go and follow it and you could go back years and that's what they were doing uh, and then so people then thinking like personal trainers going into the online side of things because they maybe had an experience of that would go okay that, but that's what that's what i need to do just to provide this and like you just said i know when we when i spoke with you on that um interview we did that this came up on there as well around it is completely different to an, to an extent anyway but it is like two different things like the online coaching world um and i'd always say to to newer coaches when i speak to them is there isn't there is a there is an element of like a hard work involved in it's like long hours and um, there's going to be times where you're really are working and like you'll sit i mean i might sit here well not so much at the moment but i might sit here for you know three or four or five days in a row and not really move much um and whereas when i was in the gym you're like moving around a lot more and that was something that i didn't that was like a big sort of shift across for me in terms of um how different it was it wasn't just a case of like firing across a few um plans and meal plans and things uh, but yeah they, i i agree completely different in terms of their skill sets that are required would you both agree though that the the skill set you develop as an impersonal personal trainer does lend itself a little bit to online coaching, even though it's an entirely different beast. Um, I think like if you're a personal trainer, because it's almost like two different titles because a personal trainer, this is just my perception of it, is something that's a bit more instructionally led because you are dealing with people that they don't have any kinesthetic awareness. They don't really know what they're doing from an instructional standpoint. So in that instance, an online coach wouldn't necessarily be the most appropriate person for them, but the skills you develop as a personal trainer, I'm not saying that lends itself to being an awesome online coach, but some of those communication skills, for example, does transfer, which is possibly you don't get as much transfer the other way. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult, and this is my personal opinion, it's difficult to coach online for someone who's completely new. I think that, that, and that's where I would see, and I've said in the past to people, you need to go see a personal trainer. That's, that's your best option here. Like go and work with them six, 12 months. And then if you want to come back and speak to me, and fair enough. But I see it from that point of view. Um, and I do get that from the communication side of things, definitely that transference over of skills. But there's also, let's be real, there are um, terrible personal trainers and really really good ones and they are freaking terrible online coaches and really really good ones as well so you're always going to get it unfortunately um but I'm hoping yeah can- i think it often depends on like obviously the client and their goals as well like realistically if your goal is body composition i think you're better off spending your money on an online coach like you're not just getting that one hour of exercise and yeah maybe like some personal trainers do offer like extra service outside of that but realistically that should be an online service they're paying for and thus it's then online coaching i was gonna say this as well face to face time oh sorry i was gonna say this as well because like actually it's not just about whether the coach is is good at online coaching or good at personal training it's about whether the client needs online coaching or personal training as well like they are they are so different in terms of what they deliver and in terms of you know having somebody physically in in your space kind of teaching you how to train is a very different um, 
a very different option than you know having your programming done for you and having your your nutrition done for you and like you say like if you you know if you're looking to lose weight for example you probably don't need a personal trainer because you can do whatever exercise you can do to do your exercises um and learn how to do enough to, to get by. Whereas the input is going to be much more on things like nutrition and stuff like that, which often is going to happen. You know, they're not going to be coming around and cooking your meals for you if they're a personal trainer. Um, but if somebody is wanting to get, you know, if they're wanting to like rehab an injury or um, learn how to, you know, to do Olympic lifting or whatever, then they're going to need like face-to-face coaching. And I guess like that's also expectations versus reality is is also important from the client perspective as well because I think it's what I've seen just from people obviously I've not done online coaching but I've seen a lot of you know I know a lot of people who are online coaches and things and what I often find is the the biggest sort of disconnect is that expectation versus reality like what they expect from their online coach versus what is actually being delivered like you know the the boundaries the ground rules all of those sorts of things and it it kind of seems to be a big source of like contention what do you think about that this this is a uh, I if, oh sorry i was gonna say i don't know if i've necessarily would agree with that but i do think that like one thing you miss and like it sounds gimmicky but it like is probably the secret to how we get such good results on like the online coaching programs i run it's mindset like it's getting in someone's mind and you can't do that when you're only seeing them once a week like it's the podcast, it's the three hours of coaching calls we do a week. Like there's so much behind it. It's unlearning shitty diet culture, relearning how you think about food, how you look at food, education around food. It's empowering people to make these choices, but it's also constantly reassuring people about the same things. Like the scale weight will fluctuate. Like, yes, you can eat carbs. No one who has like carb fear is going to start eating carbs after you explain to them once that calories matter. It's the constant reassurance of, okay, try it. Like, I'll hold your hand through this. Try it. Let me show you that you don't put on a massive amount of weight. Okay, like, let's weigh ourselves every day and let me show you that it will fluctuate independently of whether you're in a deficit or not. Like, these aren't direct measures. That's what you miss with if you're not online coaching. Like, if you've got a face-to-face PT session, there are loads of benefits to -to face-to-face PT sessions. But again, it's what that client wants or what they need. And a lot of the time it really is that like, or I'm completely biased here because I obviously attract the clients that need that because that's the service I provide. But so do that's you think, what I see. The- sorry, do you think that then all like for successful coaching, if somebody needs that face-to-face coaching, for example, for those things that we're talking about, do you think that maybe like all coaching should involve an online element so that there is that background of mindset and education and, and all that stuff that's going along with it? If you wanted the most comprehensive package, yeah. But then equally, you could like you, that kind of blurs the lines because you could say that about anything. Like, wouldn't it be good if I could go and get like my car fixed and hoovered and change the t- and like all this? And like maybe you can at some places and like, but maybe mm-hmm. also you want to see two different people. Yeah, I, like I mean, it's I... like going to maybe like someone like a GP who does everything versus going to a specialist who does one thing, like a cardiologist to look at one thing. Yeah, I think if you're fairly autonomous and like, you know, you want that added accountability, online training definitely offers more accountability, offers more touch points and things like that. And often the stuff you don't get the opportunity to talk to about as an in-person personal trainer. Um, I can only go on my own experience. Probably the last five years I was PTing, I would offer that as a hybrid service because 
if you do see someone one, one hour a week, that is purely instructional led. It is just their exercise. And to be quite frank, if you've got time to talk about all the other elements, then it's probably not a best use of their time exercising. Because it's interesting because with 24 hours in the day, everyone attributes the potential success or failure of their diet with that one hour they've potentially got to exercise. But you take sleep out of that equation, you've got 16 hours, 16, 17 hours, where the accountability of an online coach may serve you better if you know what you're doing around the gym or you know you know what you're doing with minimal kit or a band, for example, as, as the situation is for most people now. I also think that, so touching on there around when you're in the personal training sessions, um, especially going back to say when I was in the gym doing that, um, people would try and talk to you about like the nutrition element during the training sessions and there wasn't time to do it. And he just kind of gave it its lip service and then moved on. So there is that element there of case, could you be adding in another service to that? But then ultimately also on the flip side with the online coaching side of stuff, if you're not setting the boundaries out at the beginning around how it works and what, what the process is, um, it's all well and good saying, you know, you get this full communication and you can contact me like the whole 24 seven contact thing, which is nonsense anyway. Um, the, the coaching process, actually the, the, the element of that takes place away from the coaching. So they need to take, the work and the work gets done away from that coaching sort of time that they have with you so whether that's on the updates or calls or however it's delivered they then have to then go away and they're being trusted almost to then carry out the rest of the stuff um so rather than thinking oh it's okay because i've got access to this person i can speak to them whenever i think that the, the boundaries need to be set a little bit before so it's different from an online coaching point of view and how that works um yeah <laughs> Yeah, agreed. What do you think of, like, because I'm just thinking of like what PTs listening to this might want to know. And a pricing comes up quite a lot. And I actually just, there was a big thread in one of the groups I just, uh, that I run at the moment talking about pricing. And they were like, I was about to start another program. Um, before this, it was between this one and that one. But the, it was like a thousand pounds compared to commit to six, which is 160. And part of me, like it's a thousand pounds for three months to give it, it's like fair value. But part of me was like, it, it kind of pissed me off because I was like, I have way, way, way more experience than this person charging a thousand pounds for three for three months. And also you get two other coaches on Commit to Six who have way more experience than this individual as well. And I don't want to up the price because I like to make it affordable. Like I, th I think online coaching should be affordable. And to be honest, I cannot for the life of me think what this individual is giving that would be worth that. No, you're worth sister. No, you're worth. I, I don't even think it's that though. It's like, it sometimes it just makes me feel quite uncomfortable. I'm like, when I see what some people are charging, no, I'm I like, am teasing what could you possibly be giving? And also <laughs> bit cocky to think your time is even worth that. Like anyway, but my point is like, what, what sort of pricing, like when you, because I know that you offer advice to coaches, what do you normally offer them in terms of advice around pricing? So um, 997 normally for three months, that's what we go at, standard. Everyone charges the same. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was not serious. Don't, please don't. All right. I, I was like, wait, <laughs> I... I'd actually tell if that's a joke because the other problem I see with like not you guys obviously but like shit online gurus is that they're like oh I can get you up to making ten thousand pound a month 
no question of whether you're actually a good coach and there just can't possibly be longevity in that like sure you could probably put a load on ad spend get a really good marketer and whatever and get up to enough clients to be making you ten thousand pound a month except that you're shit so they don't get results so surely they're not going to stay and then you're you know like i just don't i don't see their business going anywhere yeah are you also experts on tax as well if you're earning 10 grand a month it's never it's never 10 grand a month is it though because what they've done is sold a load of these programs for three months at 997 and it works out it's not really that 10 grand a month it's just 10 grand one month and then it evens out so there's always that element to it um in terms of the, the price points so i've speaking to one of the girls that I, I help um she's a nutritionist and her one of her um, new clients came to her after being offered you know like this coaching package for four grand and it was nothing different to what she was doing if, if anything it wasn't as good but the reason i bring this up is because she then talked to um the lady who i'm helping and was uh, almost like shocked in terms of how low it was compared to what this person was offering at four grand. And that's only because someone, some guru somewhere has gone, you need to charge this, you know, like uh, this is what people will pay high ticket offers and all that kind of nonsense, which it does drive me mad because then it's kind of given this false sense of that's what I need to be doing when you've got um, say newer coaches into the industry and all they want to do is just work with people all I want to do is like get clients and just work with people and do a good job and like help people out and then you've got this like come and earn 20 grand a month you know look at this guy he did it it's always the same guy there's never like another one where's all the other people earning 20 grand a month that's what I want to know like yeah I, just- I helped one person earn this much money <laughs> you know like speaking as a speaking as a consumer as well I think like the sad fact of the matter is is that actually there are a lot of situations where you don't have to be that good to get continued client input. I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of a lot of people have been in a situation, I, was, I include myself in this, where um, you've continued to pay for a service that you know probably isn't that good, or you maybe don't have experience of anyone else. So you just think that, again, it's expectations. You think that you're getting what's appropriate for what you're paying. And you get into some sort of awkward, oh, I don't really know how to stop this. And I end up, you know, you end up carrying on paying for it. And I think that that's probably less of an issue, the more expensive something is. Um, But I think also I've been surprised by how much money people will throw away on something that is rubbish when they could get something else because because i think marketing is so strong and is and is so heavily pushed in the online coaching world that sometimes a lot of people believe that they're getting something really good even when they're being delivered something really terrible i mean like dan you've shared stories on the podcast before of when you've been paying for like programming and then you know have found out that it's not been what you've thought it was and stuff like that in terms of people finding out that people have been offered the same sorts of you know, the same plans or the same programs or the same diets or whatever exactly as you have. And it's it's that sort of thing. It's like sometimes in hindsight, we look back on these situations and then think, yeah, but I still stayed an extra six months in that situation where probably I could have got out of it. And I think we underestimate the power of marketing. And I think it is sad that actually you, I don't think you do have to be a good online coach to be a successful online coach and I also don't think that if you are a good online coach it means you will be a successful online coach either it's a bit like like being in the pop charts 
you don't have to actually make good music. You just have to have good marketing. And then you, if you do make really good music, you might still never make it. Yeah, I suppose from an ethical marketing point of view and those that are mentoring others, it's almost contradictory to the message which you'd encourage from your clients in that they're focusing on the outcome. They're focusing on the end goal when actually, hopefully, most people that get into the space, it should be client focused. You know, it's about people over pennies. And then, you know, if you have aspirations on making a certain amount of money, that, that may or it may not come. But what's being sold to them is the dream of making end amount rather than focusing on the good job that they need to do to get to that point. Yeah, that is same such a, bo- a good analogy. S- same as a body transformation, you know, like these these fatty body transformations that are sold, the end product is being sold. When realistically, if you're an ethical coach, you want to teach your clients something. You want a byproduct of you coaching them to learn something at the end of that process. And I think it's exactly the same as well that like I would hope all my clients, they're not waiting for this, even if it is like a body transformation goal, they're not waiting for that end point. They're enjoying the process. It shouldn't be freaking awful during it. Like you should enjoy the process. Exactly the same with building a business. Like if you're waiting to earn 100K a year or whatever it is, and then you get there and you'll be like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Most of it's gone on tax. Or like you get to the end of your body transformation and you're like, oh, this like this isn't what I thought was it was going to feel like but actually if you look back and you've enjoyed the process and you've learned a lot and you've developed as a person and like if you've built a business where you get to help a load of people that's what you should be proud of like the reason I want to make a lot of money is because that would mean that I've helped a lot of people like that's how you should be thinking about it and I think it comes down to your values as well and when we're talking about pricing I think that's a, a really important thing to think about like what can your target market actually afford so that you're not actually ripping them off? Like, I'm sure I could charge a lot more than I do. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to. And I think there's this assumption that everyone wants to charge as much as they possibly can. And like, I just don't think that's true. I would much rather charge less, work with more people, have a positive impact on more people's lives than up my prices and only be able to work with X amount of people because they're the only ones that can afford it. Yeah. I, I and I think that's completely right in terms of the the values and aligning it with your in terms of your coaching and where it's at in terms of who you want to help but I also do see it the flip side as well in terms of I, I'll speak to coaches who will be like I just need more clients and like at this point in time you don't need more clients you could work with a set amount of clients and be charging a set fee and then that way they don't have to just keep looking for there was this kind of uh unseen honor in having like loads of clients like hundreds of clients when to me that um on a one-to-one basis doesn't doesn't work and it just sounds like hell so it was more a case of okay let's just work let's find the price point that works for you and a number of clients let's get there and then you've got options of okay maybe you do go down the group route like in similar to i suppose what what you do emma in terms of that group style but um I just see it from both ends sometimes just yeah. people getting and again it's still down to how the media and the social media drives it um but and just another point on that sorry before i shut up in terms of the like the, the 20 oh, i've made 20k this month um i'd be more impressed if that coach or whoever's marketing that said this guy has helped um this client do this he's helped this client understand this this client has done this and then that screams more. And if you've made 20 grand, brilliant. Like, it's all good. 
but tell me about yeah that's kind of what i hate as well like i i will never be like i made x amount this month but anyone who can do maths can work out (laughs) roughly how much i've made like okay cool we had 500 people we got to help on the ec method and on the Mm. last intake that's freaking awesome like if you want to figure out the numbers go ahead but i'm not going to talk about them because that's not what i care about i care about the amount of people we've managed to help that's what's cool about the job and if you're in it for the wrong reasons like i think it's just so obvious and Mm -hmm. and i think part of like how you want to develop your business and what model is going to work for you and things as well is like you were saying like what what balance do you want how many clients do you want do you want to work with them on a one-to-one basis because then you're going to have to cap your numbers do you want to work with them in a group basis that means you can work with more people but like for example the person who was talking about this more expensive um program on commit six was like yeah she she had me on a 45 minute sales call beforehand and i was like i've never done a sales call in my life and i think i would be sick doing one like i just couldn't like i can't do it it's not for me some people are great at it some people enjoy that it's my idea of hell but i've molded my business around the fact i don't like doing that like i don't do stuff i don't enjoy I love doing podcasts. I love sharing information in that context. I love doing coaching calls. Great. So I've molded a business around the fact that I can do that without ever having to do a sales call. And the reason I put out so much free information is because people already know basically what it's like to work with me because Mm -hmm. they've listened to podcasts and because they've done all these things. So I guess that's my perspective. Like if you don't want to do things like sales call, then then like maybe group coaching is a better option for you. I think that's quite interesting to get your opinions actually on that because that, that's quite different in the terms of impersonal personal training in the online space in how you market yourself. Because in theory, if you're in a busy gym environment, you are indirectly, whether you're conscious of it or not, you are marketing your services. You're showing how approachable you are. You're showing your communication skills. And as a byproduct, you're showing what results you can get your client. Online space is totally different in how you communicate that. So exactly, you're exactly right, Emma. How what value you're putting out and how you are indirectly selling to people, um, even if it's not on sales calls. Because I, I think, and certainly as someone that spent most of their career, career predominantly coaching in person, I did find that transition difficult. Because, and I, I don't mean that as a as a brag, but but conscious targeted marketing has never been a thing for me because it's always been people in the gym or people I'm just happy to have a conversation with, or I've just checked in even without the intent in selling to them. And it's, it's almost that stuff that doesn't require anything that's sold services. Whereas the online space is a totally different landscape for that. Yeah. But and on that as well, in terms of let's say, if you call it a sales call or the consultation calls or calls to get people involved. Um, if you are putting out content like, like you, you do Emma in terms of like, there's just so much of it out there even if you were to, to say have a change of heart and you're like well, i'm going to do sales calls or, or calls they wouldn't be sales calls you just have a chat with someone they'd know so much around how you operate in your business they would just be like well, i'm doing it sign me up and that's what from any new coaches who listen to this do you want to be thinking around that when you do put content out there because when you have those calls it wants to be like a conversation just an easy conversation and then they're like cool yeah what do we do let's let's go with it it doesn't want to be pressured and like okay trying to like dig into people's pain points and like really push them and like really wind people up and then it's like hard sell it, it's not i know it happens but i just find it so cringy it's horrible yeah i absolutely hate hearing stuff like that when they're like and this is marketing advice given by like some of the top like online coach guru type people that like find someone's pain point, 
find what they really struggle with and then offer them a solution it's like do you even have a solution for that yeah I, I like think it's quite... so, like talk about unethical marketing like that's what it is well let, let's explore that and i was going to actually ask mike from a, a consumer point of view obviously mike is only one person we might think of him as many but from his perspective i mean when you see that people that you might potentially work with using the end product whether that's a body transformation whether that's selling a certain amount or making a certain amount who would you rather work with and that's not me putting words in your mouth just from a from a consumer point of view what do you look out for because you do have an online coach so you're you're in a good position to talk about this i think yeah so and i think what's so interesting about the answer to that question is that I know what I think is the answer to it. And the answer is exactly what you guys are talking about. The answer is it feeling cringy when people are selling to you. It feeling cringy when when it seems like it's a business transaction. What you want is somebody who you relate to, who you respect, who you think you would work well with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In reality, what I have found happen, and I speak not just about myself and not with huge experience for myself, but with other people, is that sometimes when you're approached by somebody who's selling to you, you find it so awkward that you don't know how to say no to it. And you almost feel like, oh, I've, 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 now I feel like I've got to go with that person because they said this and I, well, it's just really awkward because now you're not just not calling someone up and asking them to work with them. You're actually saying to someone, no, thanks. I don't want to work with you. And I was thinking about this, like it, it happens with a lot of different services and stuff. Like, you, you know, when you're already, it's so difficult to make that decision to stop working with somebody as well, even when you don't think that it's working. Um, it is funny because I get what you're saying and I see it from clients because whenever someone leaves me, they're like, oh, I I just I just think I, that like now I want to you know and like by the way this is in an email usually and I'm like that's absolutely fine like and And I think knowing as well that like I mean (laughs) I've got more than enough clients like if you're ready to leave I only want to work with someone that wants to work with me like you're ready to leave that's great like you got hopefully a lot out of the period of time whether that was two months or two years that we worked together well sometimes you've done a good job and they you know they feel confident and happy enough you know I I can quantify my intake roughly I know how to moderate my exercise actually do you know what I just want a trial period on my own it is difficult though because it is personal isn't it it isn't you know it's not a product that you're then sending back to Amazon it is But, no, this, I that that, but I think like if any PT is listening as well, because I get so much repeat cut, like people who come and go and, and there'll be periods of time in their life where maybe it's financial or maybe it's just like, well, I'm going to have a bit of time to see how I do on my own, but maybe I'll come back later or I've got a new goal starting whenever, like maybe I'll come back for that. Like they come back, like so often I get the same clients who spend like six months with me and then they do a couple of months and they come back or they realize that it's not that they can't do it on their own. It's just that they like coaching. Like they like to have a coach. So they come back. Mm. And I think as long as you leave that door open and you're like, Oh, you know, it's been great working with you. I hope you got a lot from working together and you're always welcome back. Mm. And I think that, that I, I think like I would definitely it's a good say, thing, but ultimately oh, I'm afraid. Oh no. oh no, we crossed lines because it sorry. froze. So I didn't realize you were speaking. I'm sorry. Carry sorry. on. It's all right. No, I'm just saying it should be seen as a good thing when when clients leave. Ultimately, unless they, you know, if they're leaving for bad reasons, and you need to sort your coaching out, that's not good. But they're leaving because they're 
you know, other reasons, then that's a good thing. Um, when I'm with the, some of their coaches, I help out. It's like they have this freaking out around this clients leaving me. I'm like, well, are they leaving you for what reasons? Oh, because you know they're they're happier with everything we've done. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Like, let them go and get on with stuff. It's a good thing. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, no, I was ask them for it. Be like, oh, that's great. Can you give me a few words on your experience of working with? Like, you know, then you yeah. get a testimonial out of them maybe fly like a peacock and yeah i would say that's another thing like always ask for feedback not just from like a testimonial perspective but as dan was saying like if someone is leaving for a negative reason you need to know what that is so that you can change that going forward maybe you don't save that client but maybe you know the same patterns are coming up and you need to change the service that you're offering yeah feedback is the most important thing i think in any in any client facing profession. And I say that as, you know, not whether it's not an online coach or anything, but it's so important to know what people think so that you can, you know, and sometimes people are unreasonable. We know that, but you have to have a self-critical eye as well. And you have to see patterns and you think, you know, if you're, if you're seeing consistently people are uh, leaving because they're saying that you don't communicate well, for example, then, you know, you've got to then take that on board yeah. and figure out how you can improve it. And you don't, you won't necessarily know that if they're not telling you. But I think that's quite an admirable trait from a coach's perspective as well, is that you are coachable and that you can take constructive criticism on the chin sometimes. Because, you know, when you're in it, we've all been guilty of it, you don't always necessarily interpret everything the way others do. So, you know, sometimes it is an outside eye, um, you know, whether that's you didn't communicate with me apart from once a week or, you know, I text you and you didn't reply for five days. All these little things might just help you refine your service. Yeah, I agree. Good. So on, on the external, I think, so like we, we did touch on it briefly, I think, there, in terms of like capturing a certain audience, and it is dependent on that audience. Um, just, to, just to touch on, because I think this is, this is potentially a podcast on its own, this externally seeking validation from other coaches based on that end product, why do we do that? Why do some people do that? What's what why is it why is why is everything okay, a flex? So is the question is the question why why are coaches putting up like their bank balance if you know because if anything that would like I mean I asked it in my coaching group I was like what would you think if I started doing stuff like this everyone was like I mean most of that group is just ripping me but everyone was like absolutely not like well that, that's I a very specific think. example of the question I've just asked yeah let's go with that. Well, I just think like what this happens with a lot of content generally from from coaches is that they're almost doing it either to get likes from other coaches and like a pat on the back from their peers or to show off to their peers. And it's like if Can you're I trying just... to build a business helping people, shouldn't your content be focused on that? I was just going to say, because like, I think you guys will have a lot more to say on this subject than me. But just before you kick off, I'm just going to say. I find it like a really, a really um, perplexing conundrum in within that sort of like area of the fitness industry that I see a lot of this stuff happening. In contrast to things like, like in the NHS, there was this huge scandal a couple of years ago where all GP practices were told that they had to publish the salaries of all of the of of, of how much on average each doctor earns on their website because it had to be available in the public domain because they're you know we're serving the public etc and like 
there was outrage among everybody. We all felt super embarrassed, really icky and uncomfortable about it because I just feel like I, the, the last thing I would ever want anybody to know about me is my bank balance, my salary, how much I'm earning. What, the last thing? Not the last thing. I'm sure I can think of other things. But what I mean is it's like, it feels like it's something, you know, like how you say you never talk about religion, you never talk about politics. People don't generally tend to discuss how much they earn in, in the normal world. Like it's not something that people tend to feel comfortable talking about. So it always really surprises me when people feel so comfortable having, you know, like it seems like op really opposite to, to what is people's natural tendencies and uh, yeah carry on with the discussion but I just want no that, I think that's a really good point and it's really interesting and I think from like um a business point of view people will argue against that and say that's a negative thing and I think to some extent it can be true like we have this sort of weird like a lot of people have these preconceived notions around money and like especially more so I guess like come from your parents and things that like like Dan was talking about, like, do you need flashy things to like prove that you're doing well in life or are other things more important to you? And how, like, you'll often find that the reason, like Mike, I'm pretty sure your parents don't talk about money. No, never. Like we, when I remember when my dad got a new car, we were really excited about it and he was really excited about it. He'd always wanted to get this type of car. And um, he was like, you can't tell anyone at school that you've got a new car. And I was like, what, why? And he's like, because we don't talk about that. You know, if people see that you've got a new car. When yeah, because it's like showing off in, in many ways. Yeah. But I think sometimes actually being like open about it and especially I can see why some like more of like the people who are actually helping other people try and grow businesses as well to be like, this is like, this is a result that actually like is achievable for you. And this is how much you'd earn and like, part of me likes the transparency I don't like it when it's like a brag but I think it's and I, think, I don't know like if you can really like see the difference between those two things but I think there is something to be said for transparency and I think we see it more like in all aspects now and even things like the gender pay gap and things like that like I think knowing what people earn is important in many respects like I don't know it's, I always um liken it to other other industries or even like friends who are of mine who do really well with in other things and I like I always think you know why is it the fitness world where we feel this need to um put this out there and try and show it off whereas these guys are, are doing extremely well in whatever they're doing and they're like the last thing they're going to do is just hand it around on, on social media because it's not it's not what you would do like everyone knows that they're doing well and that's that's fine it's just that's for me is that 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 kind of that niggly thing that I think I get why you might do that but then also it also screams some form of insecurities and things like that but also um from one of the guys um who I met in the gym once he'd worked with someone off the back of them you know doing that kind of stuff like flashing around the 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 bank balances and the nice things but then didn't get any success from it and I said well why did you do it well it was just because I wanted that lifestyle I wanted to be like that I saw that and I was in a point of desperation that was what I wanted to do and it, you know it's not it's not turned out any different for you but I don't know maybe it works for some people right 
I think part of it well, comes down you know to what the... I find funny about that is like sometimes they're showing it, especially if they're a business coach, and they're like, "Oh, this is how much I'm making from scamming you." And it's like no one can see That's it. It's brag. like look yeah. how much I've made from like all these coaches I'm helping because I charge you all five grand like to work with me. Mm. Right, I think it so comes down to like, intent as well, doesn't it? It comes down to intent. So like for for example, what you were saying, like in terms of informing the public, like using the BBC as an example, like that is a publicly owned company, so they need that element of transparency as as part of a legislative thing. Um, and M's example with with the transparency there is in making people aware of what the potential earnings could be from a point in look let's talk about equality because everyone needs to be paid the same that's different to look at what you could do and if if you're not earning 10 grand a month you're failing basically because that's some people's interpretation of it I think you quit 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 and get another job yeah. Yeah. yeah basically you, you're not trying hard enough or you know something you're doing is not working this this career choice isn't for you so I think yeah in, intent is an important message behind that and that's why I was questioning the motive side of it and it's you know is it is it in promotion of something so you can hopefully offer some people some hopes some inspiration about what they could make of their lives or is it this is what I've got because for no other reason so we'll um, we'll use uh, different um, forecasts like projection spreadsheets as well to actually like, plug stuff in, so you can actually give a tangible looking. Rather than just going, what am I going to make? Um, why am I frozen again? Oh, no. um, I know. Rather than just going, this is what we. This is. Huh? Am I back? This is what you could make. Um, we can actually so okay. This is what month by month we could be looking at. Uh, if you had this amount of clients, we can then build out all of the separate things, different products, and show people that rather than it being, oh, I just need to make this ten magical ten grand. Why is it ten grand anyway? Just it, with the tax thing, you're better off earning maybe seven grand. Otherwise, you know, ten grand's more of a ball ache to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that's ironic. It's like no, you either want to be miles over the the VAT or under it. Like you don't really like a hundred grand a year is not actually, I mean, well, what would that be? 120 potentially. Like it's actually not a great place to be sitting, to be honest. But but, but also does so. it create the illusion that that's the norm that should be, you know, and I'm thinking aspiring PTs that are coming into industry, bearing in mind the reality of, okay, things are different at the moment, but the average PT's <laughs> career span is 18 months. And, you know, if they, they might be coming in at 15 grand a year, is you know does it create this illusion that you stick it long enough you will earn 120 grand a year i don't think it does because that's not possible for the majority that's like the minority yeah yeah it's hard isn't it because you, you don't want to say it's not possible but there's ways of doing it as well and i think it's not offshore <laughs> bank accounts i don't want to hear it not not for today then <laughs> No, I, yeah, I just think it's important to show that there is an element of that that is possible, but there's work involved in it. That isn't, and I think there's that disconnect with people thinking it's there is no work involved, mm. and it is easy. Um, same, same with anything. You still got, still got to uh, have that, build that trust, build that relationships with with the people you want to work with, and try and then push that forwards. And I think sometimes in doing this. 
people think they can like, shortcut it and just go straight, oh, okay, mm. just doing it now. And in terms, I think, like, aspirational PTs at the moment, if they are having to adapt things to how they're working, a lot of them might be delivering Zoom calls, for example, what services, in your opinions, could they be adding into, creating almost like a hybrid structure now? So, you know, no one really knows when the end of the pandemic is, is but, but they could potentially carry over into PT when they do in person and an added value or bolt on to that service. Uh, you asked me a question there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, was that did that was that not a clear question? Sorry, no, there was I, lots of words there. I, I understood the question, Sorry. Dan. I, I think I got it. In terms of what could people be offering or personal trainers in terms of what they could be doing now to add yeah. support. So they might they might be doing those Zoom calls, but what how how could yeah. they facilitate that service now or add something extra in that they could then carry on post-pandemic? Yeah. So I've probably been quite public in my I'm not I don't have a hatred for Zoom PT. But I do have a dislike for it being called online coaching because it's not. Um, so th- that's my kind of difference in it. I think Zoom PT is great to serve a purpose. I just think and I hope that um, when we can get back to some normality, then you'd like to think you'd go back to more face to face stuff. It's not that I don't see there's a place for it because some people might want to still carry that on um, with some of the personal trainers that I'm working with other things we've been trying to build is their community away from personal training because a lot of the times they don't have that so even even if it's a simple thing of a Facebook group or something where you've got people everyone's together so you can start to build and nurture a separate place that's away from the personal training studio or the um the the personal training that they do then that was a bigger bigger thing that we've been working on because you'd be surprised how many have come to me I was like well how do you You've got your clients in one place. Oh, well, you use like WhatsApp. Oh, okay, it's not great. How's how's your phone going off all the time? Like, just put them into a group and start to build the, the essence of community. Alongside looking at, you know, how can we still bring income into the business from Zoom calls, or can you look at working with other people? Um, for example, uh, one of the guys using like yoga in terms of bringing someone else in another expert in to give another angle into what they could be providing as a service and that's worked really well so there are other things that they can be doing definitely did that answer your question (laughs) did um i mean those are great suggestions uh i think again it kind of depends on like your coaching style like i really like doing sort of coaching type calls over podcasts I think that shows like an insight into your own coaching as well that people wouldn't usually get before signing up with you. So I don't ever tend to get like, I don't know, I just really like that. I guess Mike touched on this, but that people's expectations of what they're going to get from me usually match or or lower than the service that they get. So they're normally getting at least as much, if not more than what they expected. And I, I really like that as opposed to the other way around. Um, I just think now is a great time if you're a personal trainer to just develop loads of skills as well. Like, yeah, there are th- certain things you can add on to your business. And if you've never done online coaching, then like, you know, the boring stuff, learning how to use the apps or which app you might want to use or like how you're going to program, how you're going to book in calls, like just streamlining things a little bit. Do you want it? Like, are you really good at writing? Like, if you don't like doing podcasts, you're really good at writing. Cool. Can you send out a weekly email with tips or an article that you've written? Or if you don't want to do it yourself, curate it. 
like here's three articles I liked this week here's something I read on PubMed that I found interesting here's a podcast I listened to that made me think of this like bam there you go they're probably some of the most popular um like email frequent email things where people actually just collate some other things that they've read that they found interesting and pass it on to you so you don't have to like use your strengths I guess is what I'm saying. Like, if you're good at writing, do that. If you like videos, do that. If you want to do a podcast, great. If you don't want to do any, collate some stuff so that you're offering your clients something like, here's a great podcast I listened to and three tips from me this week and an article that I wrote or someone else wrote that I think is brilliant. Those are things you can be doing. And then like what, I also think the things that as a face-to-face PT, as a busy face-to-face PT, it's really hard to make time for other things. So can you start creating a load of content now that you can use later? Like a lot of fitness content is evergreen. Like people are always going to want to know if you should do faster cardio or not. People are always going to talk about carbs. People are always going to want to have a different way of explaining energy balance. Like half of the stuff I put up is recycled from like years and years of content that comes up on my memories. And I'm like, oh, that's still relevant. I'm going to post it again. Maybe I change a few words. Like maybe I add in a bit because I've changed my view on something. Mm. But like you never run out of content doing things that way. So you can create a content load. Are you, you know, is now a time? Like so many people joined EIQ. And I think that's amazing. Like now's a time where maybe you've got more time to invest in your education and better your coaching service. Like I know it's scary to invest in yourself at the moment because there's so many unknowns and like, I guess we know a little bit more about like when things should get back to normal, but if you, your business has taken a big hit, then it's scary to invest in yourself. But what you do have now is time. So use it wisely. Like even really boring stuff, like getting on top of your accounts, like it's January, that's not fun, but can you get all that in place now? So that when we do go back to normal and you are mega busy, because I'm sure you will be, then you've had all that taken care of or you've got better systems in place so that you're not having to mad do your accounts all the time. Actually, now you've figured out a better system and it took you a couple of hours to do that, which you wouldn't have had time at other points. Like, I think just thinking ahead and seeing how you can make the most out of the situation that you're in at the moment. And if that means you have more time at the moment, make sure that you're using it wisely. Yeah, fantastic points. I think it goes about without saying as well, hopefully to our listeners, is that, you know, and, and me, go, as I've mentioned, you know, predominantly most of my career has been in personal, personal training and always lesser degree online, which has changed dra- dramatically over the last few years. But my two points of reference and who I always go to advice, Emma and Dan. Emma's going to step up and do some mentoring at some point because I think the industry is much in need of um, a, a female, especially, not just because she's female, because she's fantastic, but a female mentor. There aren't there. many females. There aren't. Um, Dan has yeah. given me loads of tips with that as well. So obviously, Dan, where can people go if they're uh, any aspiring PTs? Where can they go and find out more about you and what you deliver? And well, Yeah, anything on social media. It's just all under Dan Mac Fitness. Um, even some of the online fitness business stuff. So go through there as well for anyone looking at specifically online stuff that's me easy (laughs) mike as a consumer anything to add no i just feel very left out that dan and emma are the only people that oh i I was gonna i was gonna throw in any no disrespect i mean but you know best doctor out there yeah my favorite doctor my favorite doctor mike the second for sure 
Oh, thanks. I'll take that. <laughs> it's a um, niche group. <laughs> it's a niche group, but I, I, I wear it well. Um, right. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Emma. Um, we will say goodbye to everyone. So that's at Dan Mac Fitness with one C and A and no K. Um, and please listen and rate and download. I maybe don't rate today if I've just said that. No, do rate. It's brilliant. And we will speak to you and see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.